welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Story. You may have heard this. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, that in um, on the 23rd of August 1973, a Swedish man by the name of Jan Erik Olsen, Ruth would improve my pronunciation of that, but uh, that's close enough. He held up a bank in Stockholm, in Sweden. But before he could get away, the police arrived. So he boarded himself up, took four employees hostage. And he made demands for money, for guns, and a getaway car. Specifically, he asked for a Ford Mustang, which I don't blame him because if I was a bank robber in Sweden, let's face it, there's a lot of Volvos, but it's just not a good look. If you say, I want a getaway car, and they give you a Volvo. No offence if you're a Volvo driver, but it's just not, you know, the image you want to portray. So one of the Ford Mustang. Anyway, he didn't get it. Uh, They held him up there, uh, and after six days, they used tear gas, to uh, end the standoff. They arrested him and uh, no one was seriously injured. But over those six days, it appears that an incongruous bond formed between this guy and those that he was, the captor and the captives. And it was investigated and researched and psychologists ended up with the term Stockholm Syndrome to describe this weird relationship where people sympathise with the criminals who are holding them captive and end up getting influenced to support these people that are oppressing them and holding them captive, even working with them. And the most famous example occurred 10 years later where the um, wealthy heiress uh, Patty Hurst was um, kidnapped by a terrorist organisation and she ended up joining the kidnappers in robbing banks. You can go online and see photos of her with a machine gun going in to a bank. She was held uh, for, she was found like 19 months after she was first abducted, but of course she was arrested and convicted of armed robbery because she had joined with them. She was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Then they commuted it down to uh, seven and then she was pardoned and, uh, and let out. But Talk about being influenced by your environment and the people around you. I think, isn't that incredible? These people didn't, you know, she had plenty of money. She didn't need to be a bank robber, Patty Hurst, you know. And the bank employees, they got this criminal coming in, attacking them, holding them hostage. And yet something's going on by this, you know, social osmosis, the influence of the things and the people that you hang around with. And I'd like to think that none of us here would end up sympathising with terrorists or bank robbers, let alone joining them. But we are all to some degree influenced by the people around us. And some of those people can have a pretty negative influence because some of those people are negatively influenced by stuff around them. And uh, you could put it this way, the world around us can be quite dark and therefore we need light to shine, to come. And that is exactly how someone did put it many years ago, Uh, his name, you may have heard of him, was Jesus, and uh, he uh, said these words recorded by his disciple John. In John chapter 3, verse 19, 
Jesus said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. So notice there's a choice we've all got to make. You've got to decide whether you'll stay in the dark and, and hate the light as a result or whether you'll face truth, as it says there, face the truth about life and come into the light. And so this whole concept of light and dark is all through Scripture. And in fact, John, I want to throw quite a few verses at you. You can jot them down, look at them later if you like, but then I want to land on one uh, thought about living in the light. But John's Gospel, you may know, begins with reference to this. If you go back to John chapter 1, you see uh, in verse 4, have we got that up there? There, look, in him, that's Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so that's Jesus coming to earth. And of course, here's verse 9, a few verses later in that same chapter, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, that's our key verse this year on our Christmas flies. You'll see it. That verse we're using for a theme for this month and for Christmas because it really captures um, what Christmas is all about. That the world's a dark place and we've had a lot of examples of that and, and uh, over the last few years there's, there's been a lot of you know darkness and it's still going on with you know wars and fears and tension and angst and worries and all kinds of stuff whether it's full-blown war in some countries or worries about finances and you know recession fears or whatever in more prosperous countries like ours uh, but there's a lot of people can feel the darkness encroaching, but the light came. Jesus came and it says the light that gives light to everyone. So he's come to shine hope and life, eternal life on offer for everyone who wants to be reconciled to God. And, uh, and this kingdom of darkness that we're surrounded by can then be overcome in your life by the light. And it's for everyone. So if you're smart and humble... You come to the light, you believe in Jesus, you receive his light, you get, you know, his love, his life, his salvation, and you change kingdoms. You, you move from the kingdom of darkness. In fact, look at this verse, Colossians 1 verse 13, uh, says exactly that. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So, we don't see this, but in the spiritual realm, this is a reality that if you don't follow Christ, you are, you are influenced, you are living in a dark kingdom. But when you believe in Jesus, spiritually, there's a shift, there's a change. And, and, and we have a, a whole new ruler and set of rules to live by. And, but of course, this, this transference, this is not just based on a one-off prayer, just a quick decision just to you know uh, a, 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 an incident on its own but an, it's the beginning of an adventure isn't it a lifestyle a, a a way of living that follows God worships God is discipled by God we keep learning from Jesus we keep following him and so we don't want to go back to the darkness we want to keep living in the light and that's what I want you to think about this morning when we consider that the light of God has come what does that look like in our life 
to live in his light. Because here's one more verse uh, to unpack. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says exactly this. You were once darkness. Look at that. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. The Bible calls God uh, the father of lights. James somewhere. can't remember the exact verse, but uh, James talks about the father of lights. God is light, John says. Uh, and, and so we're children of God, children of light. But like I said, what does that, what does that look like? I mean, let's face it, living in light, to keep it real simple, is better than living in darkness. In a physical sense, we know that. Do you remember blackouts before smartphones? I mean, these days you get a blackout in the middle of the night or, in, you know, you're sitting there in the evening and you, it's no big deal. You just turn on your phone torch or you just keep watching your movie or read the news or get on social media and everyone's happy and entertained. But do you remember the search for the candles? The lights would go out and be like, oh, no, here we go. And, it's, and you're walking on the kid's Lego and you stub your foot on some door stop and you can't and you find the candle I got the candles can't find the matches oh great you know and anyone a smoker in the house you know and trying to get a light of and, uh, and 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 so obviously you know it was better to live in the light you didn't go oh yeah you're blackout woohoo we can't do anything this is better you know you don't like the the darkness oh you know we prefer the light we want to move towards the light we want to live in the light physically so what does that mean spiritually then to live in the light to live as children of light i've got a few thoughts on that um the first thing to consider to live in the light is obviously dealing with the darkness understanding what's dark turning from it to walk into the light to to walk away from the darkness uh because in scripture darkness refers to sin evil wickedness demonic influences all in a moral sense but it also, in an intellectual or cognitive sense, if you like, uh, darkness often refers to foolishness or falsehood. And, uh, and, and there's plenty of that. Ignorance uh, about the ways of the world, about spiritual dynamics and truth. And, and you can be clever intellectually. You can be enlightened. We talk about the era of enlightenment and people can be very enlightened intellectually but the Bible says the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. So, so th- there's, a, there's different kind of light here. You, can, you know, that's not our, our light, our wisdom is, is missing it. There's, there's a spiritual lack that we, we need something from God. And that's why that verse, John 1, 9 says, the true light was coming into the world. Did you see that? The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world because there's false light. There's artificial light or a counterfeit light. There's sort of... I mean, there's a lot of physical lights, you know, city lights. I remember first going to Vivid Sydney when it was starting maybe the second year we went. No crowds. It was awesome. What is this? Lights going up everywhere. Now it's a big deal, international, and it's fantastic. Lots of lights going on. We've got Christmas lights. Uh, you, you know, you go into... Not that I frequent casinos, but, I mean, I have walked into casinos and seen all the lights and... Garish kind of you know blazing lights at you, and and uh, there's different sort of entertainment options that you've got that could say, oh, that lightened me up, or it's you know a, a, a nice lifting light kind of experience in the physical realm or the soul entertainment kind of level. But 
but the world is, it might be, you know, bathed in artificial man-made light, but it's submerged in spiritual darkness. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we need not man-made light, we need God-made light, don't we? we you know, so a Jesus follower is prepared to, to, to recognise darkness and, and to step away from the darkness and, and to let the light reveal what is dark, maybe in our own lives. Something, look at that verse again uh, in John 3. Look at those verses again from 19 down. Look, light has come into the world. There it is. But some people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. And if you do evil, you hate the light, you don't want to come into the light for fear that your deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it can be plainly seen what you've done has been done in the sight of God. Yikes. So that's a, that's a scary thought. It's eventually really good when we deal with darkness in our life before God because he'll help us sort things out, but it's uncomfortable. And uh, we sometimes just like to think that God will just bless us, and he, and he will. He'll meet you where you're at, forgive you, you know, but the road of Christian discipleship means seeing some darkness dealt with and exposed, and then what are you going to do about it? So, it, it, you know, it means a, a real honest, open heart before God. When you pray, when you read the Word with humility, you're going to take on board what the Bible is teaching you, and it can be uncomfortable. You know that time when you're reading the Bible and you get to that bit that you feel is exposing something, and, um, and, and that's the, the, the light of the Word shining and exposing something that you might have felt more comfortable keeping to the side. You know, something that you realise, oh, okay, that's, that's me. Quick, just back to the Psalms. It just says nice stuff. I just want to say... God. So I read recently um, about art, uh, the experts in the art world and, and how they um, have to work hard on discovering fakes and forgeries. And there's documentaries on TV, you know, about say, some of these clever uh, forgeries that go on. And one technique they use involves light. They get um, laser light to detect what kind of paint uh, was used. And for example, they had a a supposed masterpiece um, that was meant to have come from the 16th century, but the light exposed the fact that there was zinc in the paint and zinc wasn't used in paint until 1820. So then they realised, well, that's not authentic. That's, that's a fake. And so in the same way, an authentic Christian is willing to let the light of God's word shine and maybe expose what is not right, what is false, what is twisted, what is corrupt, what is wicked, what is fake, what is false, you know, maybe even in our own lives. So it could be a decision you're about to make and you read the word and go, oh, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't line up. It could be a lifestyle choice or a relationship or, you know, there's, there's worldly influences and it might make something look appealing and that's cool, I want to do that, but then the word of God shows you that that's not the best, not from God's perspective. And uh, so we use the Word of God for that. Um, but we also have people in our lives, good people who can help us with our blind spots. And this gets um, exciting in an uncomfortable way um, because, uh, you know, we might all have, we do all have blind spots. We've got areas that, like I said, we might 
not want to see, uh, you know, either we don't see something in our life or we don't want to see something in our life. And so the, the question to consider on this point today is who do you have in your life who you allow to point out something that's a little dark, who might correct you, even rebuke you. Now, of course, that's not everyone. That doesn't mean you go out and just ask everyone you meet, hi, what do you think about me? Tell me, you know. The good, the bad and the ugly, you know. How can I just lean into that punch, you know, because you can find people who will just love it and they'll just, and you'll just be, you know, defeated, depressed, disconsolate, you know, because they're just ripping in. I'm so glad you are, you know. So you don't ask people that you don't trust or you, people, you, you know, cr- critics or people you know don't want the best for you. That's just dumb. Uh, but there'll be a few people, maybe only one person. But you've got to have at least one person. This, you know, otherwise you're isolated. You, you don't know what kind of decisions you're making. If they're, you, you can, the heart is deceitful the Bible says, so you can deceive yourself. You can feel good about something in your heart and an objective perspective or, you know, is that's a dumb decision. You're going the wrong way, but you don't even know it or maybe you don't want to know it. You feel, but you get that right person in your life. This is one of the joys of marriage, you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's good. It's not comfortable, but it's good. But your partner should be, you should be, able to let them tell you the truth you know and um and some partners are better at it than others <laughs> my wife's particularly gifted in this area she's very happy she's not here so i can say but it's good for me it's true look i will admit that as a man and a lot of blokes like this i probably don't tend to say darling tell me how i can improve <laughs> you know, good morning, darling. What what have I been doing lately that could be better? You know, where am I missing it? You know, we don't we don't tend to say that really. Most men, we just want to hear. Tell me what I've done great. <laughs> hey, babe, I unpacked the dishwasher. Come on, oh yes. She says, oh wow, that that looks good. You know, you've been gurneying the back paper. Oh, that looks good. Oh, sorry, what was that? I, I couldn't hear you. Say it again. That looks good. Oh, wow. You know, we're hopeless. We just live off encouragement. But we've got to be able to survive, you know. And, okay, so ladies and men, but I know this will work for the ladies, you know. You've got to do the encouragement sandwich thing, you know. Oh, wow, babe, you're awesome. I think you're incredible. Oh, by the way, just a little, just maybe, could you? But anyway, you're so awesome. But great, great. And then you just hope they heard that little bit in the middle. If you, um, you know, but unfortunately, sometimes blokes just hear the "I'm awesome" and "I'm awesome," and they forget the little hint. Uh, so then the wife has to turn the screws a little more. Now, okay, you're awesome, but I really want you to hear this bit, you know. And then they hit on that, and then the bloke, you know, gets depressed and thinks the wife doesn't love him and he's an idiot, and you know. But hopefully, we can get to the point where we still feel loved and encouraged, and we're aware that we're not perfect, and we've got this person. If you're single, I'll find you someone. You know, it uh, doesn't have to be a spouse, but, it, you know, there's... Could, put it this way. If you don't have someone in your life, seriously, you need to get someone in your life who will fit the bill. I'll tell you the three criteria. They need to love you. You need to know that they want the best for you, right? They need to be wise enough to see what could be improved because some people aren't that 
gifted or inclined to, you know, maybe they're just a super encouraging person, which is great, and it's not their gift to maybe notice things that, you know, could be improved. But they also, and thirdly, they need to be bold and brave enough to say that to you, you know, to, to um, Byron knows this. Byron knows that I love him and uh, can see all kinds of things that he needs to work at. No, not many, you know. But, uh, but he, would, he would know, he wouldn't mind that if, you know, I'm going to be bold enough and brave enough and, uh, and, and say something, you know, that, hey, come on, you know, get your act together, which I haven't had to say for weeks. Um, <laughs> I mean years and years and years. So, um, as I said, and if you're concerned about my position, don't worry. Like I said, I, I, it's one of the joys of marriage. I have that person in my life. Praise the Lord. And not just Ruth. I've got others can speak into my life, and, um, and it's, it's good. So, so we've we got to recognise darkness, and, and that's the human condition, that, that there is some stuff in our life that we need to deal with to come into the, into the light. Secondly, to live in the light. Obviously, living in the light suggests that you're staying there. You didn't just make, like I said, one-off decision and then step back into the darkness or, or let the darkness overwhelm you. You're willing to live with the Lord, to walk with him, to, to pursue Jesus, follow Jesus, study the word of God, be with God's people, be influenced by godly people and godly influences. You know, the word holiness and righteousness, these, these words don't sound cool and attractive, but to pursue holiness... It is really the the essence of a great Christian life, and um, as I said it doesn't have a cool kind of ring to it. It sounds, I don't know, a little what old fashioned, archaic. I read a great book. Um, I'm still working through a great book, uh, and um, he's. I uh, oh, flip. I've forgotten the author's name. Great recommendation. I was just going to throw it anyway. Uh, uh, he, um, but he talks about um, wholeness and holiness, and holiness is part of or leads to wholeness. People want to be well, want to be whole, want to have you know their mental health strong and all that. And he says, basically, a pursuit of God, a pursuit of holiness will bring wholeness to your soul. And, uh, and, and uh, I, I, I see that in, in life and experience. And uh, we're, we're told in the Word to be strong in this uh, standing in the light, this sense of like, yeah, I'm going to stay in the light. I'm going to be strong enough not to let the darkness get the better of me. Uh, in fact, look at this verse. You've heard of the armour of God. You perhaps read passages uh, like the one in the end of the book of Ephesians about the armour of God. Look at this verse. Talking about the armour of light. Romans 13 verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. That's talking about the coming of the Lord. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. American spelling. Sorry about that, Martin. Um, we need you in there, don't we, for English spelling? Uh, so, you know, God's armour, and you can unpack that when you read, you know, as I said, the end of the book of Ephesians, uh, it's light. It's, it, it's, it's not something that we just, um, I don't know, bathe in or enjoy or walk into, but we put it on as armoury, in fact, one uh, translation can uh, translate from the Greek translate that word as a weapon so it's armor and it's weaponry against the darkness so you want to live in the light you've got to be strong you've got to 
put on God's armour every day, making a personal decision. I'm going to follow God's ways of light. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for the truth against falsehood and wrong and weird values and morals and I'll be morally upright. And this is, you know, a, a strength of decision that we've got to make. And uh, some people, some of you in your workplace or in your school or your university, uh, you're confronted with darkness in the sense of, you know, what the world is throwing at you as an alternative or an acceptable way of living. And it's opposed to the ways of God. And you feel, oh, I don't want to be, you know, considered prudish or outdated. Or, but we live by the word of God. We, and we put on that armour and we, we make a stand. Uh, and, 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 of course, living in this light, walking with God, includes uh, knowing where we're going and seeing that way lit up by God's word and God's ways, which is exactly what Psalm 119 verse says. We got that verse. This is a well-known verse. Um, verse, I think it's 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. So there's light again and the word of God providing us a way to see, a way to make decisions to move forward. So without the word of God, effectively, again, in spiritually term, spiritual terms, you're, you're stumbling in darkness. And people can be, you know, physically, you know, financially, socially, in many respects, someone can look like they've got it all together and, uh, you know, they're enlightened and, and yet, they're missing something so that the decisions they're making are stumbling down a dark path. It's just as dramatic as like if you've ever been caving, you know, or you go into a, a cave tour and they turn the lights off and you literally can't see your hand in front of your face. It's like it's that dark and you think, wow, I cannot go anywhere. I'll bump into a stalactite, you know, or might. You know, which one's uh, yeah, one of those things, you know, and uh, and so and then they turn the light on. Ta da! Wow, you appreciate that. And so the light shows you where to go, how to get out of the cave. And so, in spiritual terms, no wonder some people's lives are a mess because they don't read and follow the word of God. And uh, and they're stumbling around, missing the best path and plan that God has for them. And so, we use the word and let it direct our steps. And we follow the commandments, follow the principles. And like I've said earlier, if you find something doesn't line up with the Word of God, you just don't go down that track with that decision or that lifestyle or even that relationship. For single people, this is a challenge. But he's so good looking. Oh, but she's so cool. But the Bible says, you know, don't be unequally yoked. And so you want to, as a Christian, you want to find someone who has the same worldview, convictions, Desire to, desire to follow Christ uh, as you. And if you can't find that person, Remy and Emmy will sort you out because they've come from an Indian background and, and they'll arrange someone for you. <laughs> it's true. You ask them their story. The parents are heavily involved. I always thought arranged marriage, I thought that's a disgrace. That's, that's terrible. That's great. Isn't that a human rights violation? No one's going to tell me what to do, you know, when I was single. And then uh, I had children and I thought arranged marriage is awesome. I just think it makes so much sense. I don't want married. I don't want them just to make up of their own mind. They're young. They could marry some buffhead. I don't, you know. So um, I can't say I arranged any of my children's marriages and praise the Lord they did well. But we kind of did by prayer, you know. Certainly had to pray a couple of buffheads on. Uh, 
So, yeah, Luke, Luke, Luke's a good-looking young man. He was at uni and he, he, had, he had quite a few uh, friends at different times and uh, we'd say, well, they've got to they gotta be Christians, mate. You gotta, you know. So Luke would bring girls to church and then Eleanor would meet them. She just, she, Eleanor was like the Roman emperor at the Colosseum. She, we'd have lunch afterwards. Eleanor would take one look at them and go, mm. and so I'd tell Ruth, so we'd never see that girl again, you know. He'd rock up the next week, another gorgeous blonde element. Mm, no. right, yeah. And then he met Shelley and Eleanor gave her the thumbs up. So we have an arranged marriage system in our family, just, just Eleanor. So basically, look, we've got a matchmaker. Uh, she's been married for 11 years now and, uh, you know, she knows all uh, what it's about. She scored one well herself, so she, you can just see her. If you're single, there you go. There you are. I'm sure she'll charge you a fee, but it's worth it, yeah? Um, Praise the Lord. So, look, um, okay, so, so, so we, we deal with darkness. We, we, we want to live in the light. And the third aspect, really, about living in the light is, of course, shining the light. And we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, you know, shining out light in the darkness. Share, and I don't want to go on about this too much. I just want to leave you with the words of Jesus from Matthew 5, verse, is it 14? I think it's up there. Uh, look at that. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Come on, this is incredible. Jesus, we know, is the light of the world. He said that. One of the seven great I am statements in the book of John that John records. Jesus, you know, I am the light of the world. We know that. But then he turns around and he says, you, if you're going to be a Christian, it means a Christian literally means little Christ, a Christ follower, someone revealing Christ in the world. You are the light of the world. Isn't that incredible? And you don't feel like that, maybe, and, and we're not, you know... <laughs> On our own in that, obviously it's the light of God shining through us, but through all our failings and faults and sins and mistakes and all that, there's still some aspect of God's love, God's light shining through us, and you're gonna, you need to know that. So you carry the presence of God. You bring hope to the world. You're not just negative and worn down and worried and upset and critical and cranky like so many other people. You're shining. You're sharing. You're interested you're you, you know you feel the love of God and if you don't then just pray and get into God's presence before you get out of the door in the morning or even before you get out of bed just pray and get into God's presence and then when you see people you feel the love of God for them you see maybe even darkness out there in people's lives and you want to shine your light and that's exciting isn't it better than just being part of the darkness stumbling around Look at that. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Obviously, you're saying, look, it's ridiculous. Imagine having a light and then covering it over. And the implication is, and yet that's what some people do. Whether it's social constraints, awkwardness, devil whispering in your ear, oh, they wouldn't want to know, oh, they wouldn't want to hear you. Who, who was uh, Craig Stevens, I think, recently saying, ask people, may I pray for you? May I pray for you? He said 99 point something percent of people say, yeah, sure. And yet 99% of Christians never ask the question. But that's shining our light. And there's many other ways too. It might not be a full-blown witnessing conversation, leading someone to the Lord, unpacking the Scriptures, telling them the whole gospel. It can just be the seed sown, the, 
love, the smile, the kind deed, the, you know, but many different ways that we shine our light rather than cover it over. And he says, let your light shine. It's like, come on, just take the, it's not that hard, take the cover off, just take away. The light wants to shine, the light can shine. And so I, I think that's worth considering in your own life. What does that look like for me? How am I shining you know, does it mean well, I'm, I'm living a certain way or saying a certain thing to that person or recognising that door of opportunity or did I kind of half recognise it and run away from it and I think it's worth considering more, you know. How does that, just before the Lord, come on Lord, I'm the light of the world, I want to shine, show me and let me, yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a great time yesterday. I caught up with people from uni, a couple of them I hadn't seen for 39 years. You know, and um, and they knew I was a Christian then, and I'm still a Christian today. That's worth something, and talking about my faith. And then I go to another Christmas party down in Sydney with a bunch of motorbike mates, and some of them think it's hilarious that I'm, you know, a, a Christian and a minister, and they've met me out in the trails, and so that's part of the conversation often. Like, oh, come and meet Chris. Guess what he does? You would never know what he does for a living, you know. And, and there was one guy, I think I might have told you the story, there was one guy on the WhatsApp group, they said, he said, anyone riding this Sunday, this is a year, a couple of years ago, said, everyone, anyone riding this Sunday? And, um, and the guy running the group said, uh, no, mate, we're all at church. And then it said, Simon left the group. So the guy that had asked anyone riding Sunday saw the comment, no, no, we'll all be at church. And it just said, he, and he left. And I thought, well, that's, wow, I wonder why, you know. Anyway, so... Rob, the guy running the group, rang Simon, said, mate, it was a joke. Oh, okay, well, I had a bad experience growing up and uh, I just thought you were serious. I thought you're all churchies and on Sundays you all go to church. I thought, flip, who are these, you know, I, I didn't realise. He'd ridden with us before. So he said, no, no, we're only joking. We're only joking. He said, actually, there is, so he got him back on the group and he said, well, actually, there is one guy that does go to church. He, he's a minister. Oh, <laughs> anyway. And so we go riding and I meet this guy and, and, uh, and you know, it's real kind of like credibility if you can ride okay you're part of the fold, you accept it, you know. If you're a bit of a goose, it's like you never get invited again, you know. And I think that's the thought they have about Christians. But I grew up riding motorbikes a lot as a kid, so I get around fine, and I'm riding around with this bloke, and we take our helmets off. It's like, oh, that was good, yeah, good. And then he goes, what's your name, Chris? And he goes, oh, hang on, because he remembers, he said, you're, not the, you're not the minister, are you? You're the guy. And I could see him sort of stepping back, you know. And I went, yeah, 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 that's me. But it was good because I had already shown him I could ride. It was like, oh, okay, it's like, you're, you're okay then. You know, you're all right, you haven't got two heads and you're not an idiot on a motorbike. So, so then we had this really good conversation and he had had a bad experience with a particularly religious kind of church when he was growing up. And it was really cool over the next few rides, you know, to be able to just wear down that wall and let him see that it's okay, you know, and... Anyway, so there's all different opportunities for us to be shining our light, yeah? Uh, so let's do that. And of course, Christmas time, let's shine our light. Be the hope and the love and the life that the world is looking for, amen? Praise him. Come on, let's uh, pray. Wonderful. Father God, we thank you. Jesus, you're the light of the world. And we are your light, children of light. We want to live as children of light, we want to shine your light. We thank you this Christmas coming, representing the light, the true light for everyone that was coming into the world. We thank you. You've come into our lives and we want you to come into others' lives. And so I pray we'd be shining your light in all different ways, with all different words 
and, uh, and unpacking what that looks like for each one of us and, uh, and seeing people hearing and receiving and seeing the light. Thank you, Lord God. You're touching everyone today. You know, if you're here today, if you, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, it's discovered through His Son, Jesus. And that's obviously what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus came. But He came not just to be born as a baby in a nativity scene. He grew up. He died on the cross for our sin in our place so that we can be forgiven. So our punishment is taken by Him. And we can step into a relationship with God when all our sins are forgiven. That barrier, that wall of sin is broken down. And if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, or if you're coming back to God knowing you need to give your life to God all over again, then let me pray for you at the end of the service. Come and see me down the front. Or if you've come with someone, they can talk to you and pray with you. We don't want you to leave here without an opportunity to be right with God in a right relationship. That's the essence of the Christian faith. It's not being a nice person or going to church or any kind of action or behaviour. It's essentially the relationship that we're offered with God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus. And everything flows from that. The very best decision you'd ever make in your life is to say yes to Christ. Yes, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you, Lord God. We pray for many people to make that decision over the weeks, not just here in our church, but in our community and around Australia and all over the world. Pray for Jesus coming into people's lives. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.